Mark my words, book market, hot take merchants. Trey Young, 100%, is as likely to have an 80-point game as Luca, Embiid, or Steph in the NBA. Come back to this. Come back to this take. As likely? Yep. This could be an amazing clip for you. This short on YouTube is going to have 25 million views when Trey has 80. Welcome back to the Basketball Forever podcast, where we talk about the things that we don't post about. I'm Nick Cowan. I'm head of strategy here at Basketball Forever. And I'm joined, as always, by a guy wearing black Timberlands today, Alex Sumsky, founder of the company. Good to have you. Well, we are in New York. That's, Hold outside. It's fucking freezing. <laughs> but I am excited because we'll be doing this podcast. We've done now like 35, 40 odd episodes. Good sample size. And you are now going to be front and center now that we are officially in New York. Officially an American company based up here. Close to MSG, we're about five blocks away down the road now. And we're borrowing this great studio. It is. Shout out to Snapback Sports Which New York nice. for lending us the space. And they've also temporarily, as in for the next hour, lent me some merch. Can you explain the Derek White jersey? I, me? I, first of all, I'm a big Derek White fan. Elite role player. He's a great role player. <laughs> he could be one of the greatest role players we've seen this half of a season. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds but, like you've got some no, you want no. to say here. Look, you want to say. look, I'm. I tweeted. I actually replied to a tweet of yours. Yep. Uh, a couple of months ago. Um, actually, no, it was in December, so it was quite recent. And you, you, you tweeted about how you didn't think Derek White was. You thought the Derek White All Star conversations were ludicrous. I, I qualified that by saying that you do not put elite role players into the All Star game. That would open the pool to like, you know, 80 probably players in the NBA, maybe 60 if you want to be a little more like specific with what qualifies as an elite role player. But there's like obviously a talent difference and a distinction you need to draw at some point. So I put that tweet out when uh, JJ Redick went on his podcast and said that Derek White- I hate JJ Redick's. I don't like the fact that he's been brought up in the media as this sort of like, you know, mecca of basketball knowledge. Elite shooter- elite player i'm a philly fan loved watching him play in our colors however he knew that when he said Derek white should be an all-star he knew that that was cap like it was when he said it it wasn't like i firmly believe this with my soul with mm. the way that i think about basketball and the national media just took off with it i it made well, no the sense boston to me. media took off with it yeah the boston media thinks themselves as the national media i think in basketball but that was the point of my tweet and so if you want to explain the concept of the jersey today, now we fast forward to post. Well, we we, the start we fast forward else. because I, I think I replied to someone that replied to yours, your tweet. Yeah, and I went on the record and said there is not a world in which we will see Derek White in an All Star jersey this season, and uh, there was no chance he was getting voted in. But even as a reserve, like this whole idea that. Oh, the coaches, the coaches are going to vote for him. You know, he's such an important role player. Like, dude, they would fucking, like, basically deal him for a bag of chips if it meant that they could build a team that was going to win a championship. He would be gone in a heartbeat. An all-star needs to be the best player that a team is receiving in a trade. 
Agreed. Typically. Agreed. The fact that we're now bundling a, a dude that f- for January scored 12 points a game on about 38%. Dude, jack shots. He's just 15, 20 a game. He'll, he'll chuck them. Yeah. And like, you know, okay, he dishes. He'll get about three assists a game, four assists. Yeah, yeah he'll still you know, get a steal. Okay. He is a good guy who is qualified statistically as above average in yeah, the NBA. I would love to have him on my team as a fourth or fifth option. It's but, like that, and those those players are super valuable. But we just got to call it with like a national media broadcasting standpoint of like this guy's having a good year. All star him. All star him. It's but, like, but here's the thing: settle. Not only did the fans not think he was an all star, nor the players, <laughs> because we saw the voting. Yep. But now we know that neither neither those or the coaches yeah. think he's an all-star. It's a pretty compelling case for him not to have that jersey on come, uh, come March. So this is this is me being conciliatory. I'm going to wear this. Uh, it's it's kind of like a Derek White all-star vote funeral. Yeah, um, makes sense. So I'm going to pay homage to him for the rest of the episode. And shout-outs to Reggie Bullock, uh, his Dallas stint. Uh, he's obviously currently wasting away in Houston at the end of the bench right now. Um, there was nothing I enjoyed more than watching Reggie Bullock shoot corner threes and hit back iron. Yeah, every shot, every shot. It's actually, I I actually think that he's like one of the more underrated. Uh, oh. I guess shooters in, in in recent league history. Playing off Luca, you'd hope that he can knock down shots at a good clip. But uh, I feel like we've derailed the, the purpose of the podcast. Yeah. But we've, it was it was important to I think. Uh, Immortalize that. That's right. Make sure everyone saw it. We've we've opened on a bit of irrelevant yap. Nothing wrong with that. It's but, the way we talk basketball. But what we actually want to talk about is I think we can all acknowledge that we've seen a bit of a scoring spree in the NBA recently. Yep. Um, it's been absurd. Uh, we've had Embiid, Luca, both with 70 plus within a couple of days of each other. Um, Luca, uh, sorry, um, uh, Booker and Cat, both dropping sixty-plus games. All of this happened within, you know, a seven-day span, um, and all of this happened as well on the anniversary of first Kobe one's eighty-one-point game, and then his passing as yep. well. So, people drew, drew a lot of parallels there, and it, but it's kind of opened up a conversation now on sort of where's the future of of scoring going in the NBA. It's just trending upwards and upwards. Uh, players are now more and more capable of, um, of of dropping absurd numbers. They sort of, people are starting to say, you know, 50 is the new 40, 60 is the new 50, 70 is the new 60. So what we want to talk about is what do we see as the more likely group of players to really start to put a bit of pressure on first Kobe's record, but then Wilt's record. Who's capable of 100 a game in today's NBA? It's uh, it's funny you mentioned that, right? Wilt's 100-point game has been spoken about as almost like an act of mythology through basketball through the years. Like, aside from the fact that we don't have footage of it, so it has always been immortalized as this, like, you know, mythical thing that happened, right? And it was sort of like, this thing will never be broken. It will it will never be touched. It won't ever be in the same stratosphere. And Kobe comes along, obviously, has 81 against Toronto. Same sort of vibe. It was like, this was the modern day Wilt performance. Definitely. Right? And 
it is crazy to think that someone surpassing Kobe's mark now seems like a foregone conclusion in the coming years. Mm -hmm. uh, and that Wilt's 100 piece is like very legitimately on the chopping block. It's touchable, right? It's touchable. Um, so yeah, I think today we want to take a sort of analytical deep dive to this entire narrative uh, to determine who is the most likely player to score 100 in the modern edition of the NBA. And when could it happen? Well, I mean... People are saying, could it happen this season? Now, I mean, uh, that's that's an open question and, and, and definitely up for debate. But first, I think it's probably important to provide just maybe a little bit of context on eras and like what has changed so significantly in the game that's created this, um, you know, this massive, massive uptick. Obviously, a few things spring to mind. Firstly... Um, you know, the like, uh, Houston system, uh, back in the day, uh, you know, Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors, the popularization of, of the three point shot, uh, and, and how that's sort of changed the way that, uh, teams like to run their offense, but what have been the driving like forces to get to this, this point? You bucket it into a few different blocks. I would say the first is obviously the pace of the game, right? Yeah. Game has sped up markedly since the 70s, 80s, 80s through the 90s into the thousands and then the current iteration of the NBA, right? Quicker pace of game, quicker shot clock iterations means more possessions, more possessions means more looks at the basket. Yeah. Naturally, you see an uptick. So I guess some numbers on that or if you want to really bookmark those with narratives, you had probably the first look was the second second, the seven second or less like Suns coached by Dan Tony. Yeah. Steve Nash ran that offense. Uh they had a massive emphasis on getting shots up quickly mm. when like the defense was not set, right? So it wasn't like a half-court sticky offensive system. Uh, you then look into how that was parlayed into the three-ball revolution. As you touched on, Steph was obviously the the, the father or like the godfather figure of, of this era or that movement. Uh, and what you get from that is this offensive cocktail that sort of busts, I guess, historical analytics wide open and renders them like almost useless. Yeah. So... If you dive into that, right? So you look at the best team offensive ratings in NBA history, and it is absurd what is going on at the moment. So the top 10 in NBA history, offensive rating-wise, from a team standpoint, every single one of them is this season. Every single one. And are you? No. I think that's a really interesting point, but it just reminded me of something. When we're, to when we're talking about offenses that allow these crazy outputs... When you look at the top 10 game scores, individual player game scores of all time, and for those that don't know what that is, we've actually done an episode uh, on it very, very long time ago in our catalog, which you can go and have a listen to where we, where we deep dive, but it's basically um, a, a equation that takes into account every single sort of stat that a player gets in a game and then it spits out a final number that's kind of like a meant to be a way to just rank every sort of individual game performance um, in NBA history. The top 10 ever for regular season, seven of them have occurred in the last 14 months. Yeah. Which is like... It's, it doesn't make any it's, sense. It's like a bunch from the last 14 months and then there's Kobe in 06 yeah. and then there's Jordan in 80. Uh, I think it's like 80... Uh, late 80s yeah. oh no sorry 91 right 
Yeah, and you look at it from a sample size standpoint, it doesn't make sense. No. (laughs) It wasn't good at maths at school, but you can plot it. It doesn't it doesn't check out. Right. So you 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 tap that into the fact that, as I mentioned, yeah, top ten offensive rating through team history in every season iteration of the NBA. Yeah. All ten are this year. Yeah. Right. And thirteen of the top fifteen are this season as well. So half of the teams in the league in the current iteration of the NBA make up 13 of the best 15 offenses in NBA history. So that's where we're at from a game product standpoint. Sure. The two outliers in that group, the 21-22 Nets, Irving, Harden, Durant, who Mm -hmm. obviously didn't have a huge sample size, but they were gangbusters when they were together. Uh, And the 22-23 Celtics last year, who were considered one of the best like team offenses in NBA history. So... We are moving and we have moved so firmly in a direction where offense is favored over defense to the point where defense is now almost optional, right? I will take, I'll give you another stat that you can take to the bank. Yeah. This season, defensively, the Hornets, Pistons, Hawks, Wizards, and Pacers have five of the six worst defensive net ratings in NBA history. So couple those two things together. Yeah. Okay. It is stupid when I open my betting apps and I scroll through my losses and then I go, all right, what, what am I looking at tonight? And I see point totals religiously in the 240s. There was a Pacers Bucks game earlier this year that opened at like 254.5, biggest in NBA history. It is, a, it is stupid. It is a stupid amount of points, right? Remember when we used to like bet on games and the, and the totals was like 205? 208.5, Miami lo- against Charlotte. I loved that. In Charlotte. Uh, and often I would still lose. I'd be on the wrong side. However, it's like- You love the overs. I never bet the under. I think if you bet the under, you're not a real gambler. That's my theory. I love the unders. I love the overs. The unders are so... I just love my why would safe you space. enjoy? Why would you enjoy watching a product where the idea is to put the ball in the hole and pray for players to not do that? It doesn't make any sense. Like You're not a basketball fan. You know what I mean? That doesn't actually check out. I just like the idea that everyone's just going to be clanking shots. <laughs> I couldn't... While I, I cash checks. I could not be further on the other side of the equation on that. Uh, it makes sense. Like, you know, if defense was king, then offense sells, right? If yeah. defense was king, then Jaden McDaniels would have like the highest grossing NBA jersey sure. this year. Or Rudy sure. Gobert would be like on the face of GQ magazine and stuff. Doesn't really work He thinks he should be there. Yeah, I, I think Rudy Gobert's got a <laughs> interesting character. He's got, a, he's got a complex. He's got a complex. He's got a Derek White Boston uh, complex. Oh, I would say. It's like the amount of times they he like will get snubbed, snubbed from All Star, and then say, "I've been snubbed my whole life." Yeah. It's like, dude, come on, come on, on. three defense players of the year. Yeah. You've made more money you've, than most people in the world. You've got your flowers. Sniff. You've, like, you've, sorry that you're not. You can't throw down windmills yeah. and shit. Like, like again, we don't. You don't pick All Stars. Because, on people's because putback you, quality. And because you're good. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, you're elite, Rudy. We're not, we're not saying anything on that. It's just I am. We... I am. You, you're the one that made us put the league out of business oh, for yeah. a season. <laughs> <laughs> don't think I haven't forgotten. No, I, I don't think anyone will. So you, you, you couple those things together. Yeah. Right? No defense. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous state of offense in, in the modern game. Yeah. So that sets the scene contextually. Yeah. So going back to the, I guess, original point of this pod, which is really trying to dial down and, and nail in on which players actually could go and bust that 81-point mark, potentially get north of like triple figures in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if you want to speak about 
the research you did in terms of like what all 70 plus point performances in NBA history have in common? Well, I just know that when we went back and watched them and it's kind of hard to include like Wilts and Davids and a bunch of like those sorts of games in, in the mix. Cause we're talking about the modern era, right? So it's, we're trying to find commonalities between what players are doing today and what they're going to do tomorrow and, and how that matches up. So I try to ignore a bunch of the things that I saw in those other ones. I really tried to focus on, you know, even just looking at the 70 point plus games that we've seen in the modern era uh, from Kobe onwards. Uh, there's a couple of things that they had in common that are translating into this new era of NBA that we need to keep our eye on if we're going to try and discover or determine who's the shortlist for the next like highest performance and of players that are capable of a hundred. What are those qualities? What are those things that we need to be looking for? Well, the first one is that it, it almost always requires a subpar cast supporting cast Yeah. in, in Kobe's Lillard's and Booker's case, no teammate scored more than 13 points. Um, there was Donovan and Embiid's game. Uh, the highest scorers were 21 and then 18, respectively. Uh, respectively, sorry. And then Jarrett's, uh, Jarrett Allen, who was who was playing with Donovan in that game, he had 21, which was you know relatively high compared to the others. But he did that on 10 shots. Yeah. He made nine of them. So he was mostly there cleaning up a bunch of Donovan misses. So in in context, you know, it's not like he was taking away sort of touches really from Donovan. Um, and I think the same could be say, uh, said for Maxi, who more or less, and you're a big Philly fan, so you watch every game. Um, it kind of seems like he's more there when Embiid is getting double teamed. Yeah. I mean, that game that Embiid had 70 plus, 71, I mean, it was a situation where they would obviously just run like a lot of high pick and roll action. Embiid operates a lot from the nail. He's like a historical outlier with like mid-range jump shooting as a big man. So you find that I think Maxi, again, same thing. It's not like he's dribbling the air out of the ball. He's not taking a lot of touches or, or possession time away from Joel. It's just people would sag, people would be doubling Joel, and he's become a much better pass this year. So Maxi was knocking down open looks when he had them. But um, but yeah, Embiid's usage in that game was everything was being run through him. So. So basically, you really need to be looking at players whose teammates aren't going to be looking to go for 30 right. on the same night. So, you know, Boston automatically excluded because Derek White's there, right? So you can't, so you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't be looking at Tatum, yeah. um, uh, not, not with a talent like White. Um, there are already a bunch of guys who are capable that... Uh, and some of which who have scored 70 plus in the past, like Lillard, who are kind of automatically excluded on the basis that, well, they're on a team with Giannis now. Yeah. So, you know, the chances of 100 are probably out the window unless Giannis wasn't playing for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, the, next, the next requirement is that you need to be able to drain threes. Yeah. Kobe, Luca, Donovan, Lillard all drained seven plus threes in their game, uh, with Lillard hitting as high as thirteen. Um, you know, you you essentially need to have a green light for fifteen plus 
three ball attempts. Yep. Um, ideally, you should be almost in J.R. Smith territory taking like 20. Yeah. So that that is almost like a non-starter. If you can't make threes um, or you don't shoot volume threes, you're a much, much lower chance of you know, really even being in the 100-point conversation. Um, you need to be able to get to the line and knock them down. You can't just, you know, be Dwight Howard taking 39 free throw attempts and making 20. You need to be essentially shooting, you know, 100%, 95%, 90% from the, from the line and you need to be getting there, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of times uh, in order to even even qualify um, Kobe, Luca, and Lillard all averaged over nine and a half free throw attempts a game for the seasons in which they had their 70 plus scoring games. Um, and all the players who have scored 70 plus attempted on average 22 and a half free throws in those games. Yeah. So, uh, that's a huge emphasis. And then lastly, your usage needs to be at an all time high level. So we're talking 35% or above for the game. Um, it's really, really interesting to note some of the some of the players that qualify because when you look at the all-time leaders in usage rate, you've got uh, Luca is number one. You've got uh, Donovan Mitchell as like number six. You've got Trey Young as fourth. Like Smokey Trey Young, little Smokey. There's yeah. a um, and then Embiid is actually number two all time. It's uh. It's pretty crazy thinking about Embiid's usage rate as a guy who, A, started playing basketball very late, but also it's a guard-dominant league these days, which is trending a little bit differently now, obviously, with the big man out uh, in Denver and Joel, who are sort of putting big men back on the map, and Giannis. I think he's more of a he's more of a four, but, you know, those he's three guys. Mm. Um, it is funny, though, just like it's, it's, it's so stark how Embiid's name sticks out. It's a side point, but worth noting. There's... There's more or less like, and and he's he's a bit of an interesting mold because, also of all of the seventy point games in recent history, he's came on the most shot attempts. Yep. So he took forty one, I think, or forty two shots. But like no threes, he won three in that game. Exactly, so. exactly. So that where you have deficits in other areas, you need to be over indexing in others. Sure. Um. So in order to achieve a century mark on points, your game needs to more or less go like this taking into account the factors we just discussed. Usage. You need to be ball dominant. Uh, you need to be either the a point forward, like center, point center. You need to be a point guard. Uh, you need to be running the offense, officiate, um, uh, facilitating, or you need to be just the, the primary ball handler. Uh, you need to be getting just about every touch, every second touch. Um, since... 2000 there have only been two players who have attempted 45 or more shots in a game with russell westbrook being the closest at 44 and that is kobe and chris weber <laughs> uh, <See> web. <laughs> and and kobe's actually done it four times so really in order to get to the 100 point mark you need to be taking 45 shots yep. and you need to be shooting the way that luca did in his 73-point game. You need to be shooting about 77% in which you're making 35 of those shots. 35 or 45 from the field. 10 of your shots that you make need to be threes. And then you need to get 
to free throw line at least 10 times uh, and knock down all 20 free throws yeah. or get there more, but you got to knock down 20. Yeah. That'll get you a hundred. Um, now you've got to do that in regulation, but if you're on a team that, you know, the score is like teams standing ideally is as close as possible to the opponent. Um, the tighter the spread, the increased probability of an OT, which provides an opportunity to score like roughly seven to 10 more points. I think there is almost no world in which someone scores a hundred without overtime or you, double overtime. You, you do, unless you can do that in regulation, which it's, it's mathematically and statistically possible, but in a real world scenario, very, yeah. very hard. You having, excuse me, having that extra five minutes is, is, you know, really what's going to afford someone an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you look at the highest um, game score in NBA history. I think it happened in the seventies or eighties. That was a triple OT game, right? You look at the you look that, at the that was that was uh, MJ ninety one against the Cavs. He had sixty nine points, eighteen rebounds. He had six assists, like three steals, three blocks. Oh no, I mean like cumulative team totals. As in, oh. you mean game scores in the statistical uh, yes. what we referenced before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like literally the highest cumulative total in a game. Oh, oh. that was my bad. You're a basketball geek, though. That was impressive. The, yeah, that was a triple OT game, and that has actually been uh, pushed close in the last five years a few times in like regulation and single OT games. So I think, but you also look um, from like a historical comp standpoint, you know, the highest score in like. Uh, MLB baseball history has yeah. has gone to like 13, 14, 15 innings. Like it's a mm. it's the sort of thing where you need that you need the stars to align so closely yeah. uh, and match up so perfectly for this to happen. But we are now in an era where the chance of it happening is just astronomically higher than it was fifteen years ago. Correct. Right? Correct. Um, very interesting stats. I think that you so you combine these right. So we've touched on changing eras, offense. Yes. Uh, lack of emphasis on defense, you've sort of deep dove what the commonalities in, you know, the statistical advanced which, analytics look like with historical bumper performances. Which in summary would be a subpar supporting cast, uh, the ability to hit threes, you need to be able to make a lot of free throws um, and you need to be ball dominant. Yep. They're the four requirements. So you, you, you crunch all those things together and it spits out six names. There are six total players in the current NBA who could achieve this. That's right. Based off touching all or most of these requirements from a historical standpoint. Yes. Let's go through the names one by one. The first one. And this is, uh, there's, it's almost surprising that this guy doesn't come up in this conversation more. It's probably an age thing. Yeah. In his prime, it was he was definitely in the conversation, but Steph. Steph is a perfect example because he is one of the only players that, well, he's the best three-point shooter of all time. Yeah. He's probably the best free-throw shooter of all time, yeah. uh, which are two massive requirements. He is obviously the primary ball handler. Uh, he's got a relatively good healthy usage rate, um, and his team are all subpar yeah. at the moment. Uh, he carries a massive offensive load this season. He's probably a better chance of doing it now than he ever has been before. Totally agree. There's more volatility in that roster from a, a health standpoint, from a roster makeup standpoint, 
and also because of the progression of young guys, he's at this weird inflection point where he still is has to shoulder the load, right? He still is like the vet on the floor who who runs the show. Yeah. You look back in the day when he had Clay, who was like, you know, making thirty footers on one leg, and Draymond, who was still getting up and down the floor and not treating like basketball courts like MMA rings. Yeah. And then obviously KD was there, so. You're right. I think that it's weird. He's like 35 and he's in the sort of nexus of his career. But what's interesting is like where he falls down is you need to be that guy that's going to chuck. Like we said, you need to be making at least 35 shots. You need to be attempting probably 45 to get there on a clip that's like actually humanly achievable. Yeah. Steph, the most shots Steph's ever made in the game is 20. Yeah. The most he's ever attempted is 28. So it's a huge like uptick there on, on but i mean again this is this is a guy that's like entirely capable the the big thing here though is if he's going to do it on less shots which maybe he's that guy it needs to be all like all threes or yep. just like draining threes like you need to be hitting like, like 20 15, in a game 15 16 threes at least and he needs to be just draining free throws and then, then yeah, then it's within like with, and he probably he's definitely one of those guys that needs an OT. Yeah. But uh, with that in mind, he has a a good statistical chance of, of being able to achieve that. Yep. Okay. So Steph is the first. Steph is the first. So the the next is, and and this goes without saying, and I know you're just going to think this is a no brainer, but surprisingly, it's it's also Embiid, and not just because uh, he meets like. A bunch of those requirements because he does uh his 71 point game was the fastest 70 point game in history yeah he did it with like plenty of time to spare about 36 minutes and in that 36 minutes it's not like for the entire 36 minutes he was gunning for it no so i have a take about that game actually yeah. you watch it he was not forcing no he wasn't right? you watch a lot of historical performances like this like I love Kobe to death. Like Cat like, and Booker. Cat and Booker, right? Cat was, they were always going to lose that game. Yeah. From two minutes into the third quarter, you could see that it was like, this is like a train wreck. Yes. Like you could see the headlines. Like, Be- because it becomes the 80 point show. Of course it does. Yeah. But Embiid's was, yes, Nurse helped him out by putting him back in. Like probably didn't need to re-enter the game. But when you have like a franchise record on the line, you're obviously going to play him down of course, the stretch. Of course. Looks really silly now with his knee. But at the time, like, he wasn't forcing. He was taking shots when he got them. I think he had seven assists in the game, right? He was still he was still dishing. Um, yeah, I, it, it was not. If you go and watch that performance, it, it it didn't feel forced. It was a quiet seventy, I would say. But continue your point. Well, it's he he's one of those ones where, with the stars align, and not to mention, you know, we talk about being the second highest in NBA history for usage. He's like name a player that averages more free throw attempts than him now. Yeah. Is he the all-time leader? Uh, no, he's not. I reckon he'd be second or third. Um, Regardless, yeah. he's top three, right? He's, he's definitely top three. I mean, averaging almost 12 in, uh, a game. So I think Embiid from a touches perspective and, a, um, and from a free throw perspective, like it's – He's he's going to get there. He has the ability. He demonstrated that doing that with 36 minutes. I mean, you you play a 40 minute game, which is kind of rare for Embiid. Yeah. It, 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 health's the only thing. 
that's like prohibiting him from being able to achieve that, in my opinion. You get him against Miles Turner on a cold night in Indiana in a double OT performance. I agree. He's, he's got 85 I on agree. the books. I agree. And then you just need the ball to roll a couple of different ways for him yeah. to get up into like the 90s, I think. The, the next one, and in my personal opinion, I and it's obviously like not necessarily a hot take to be able to say this now. Reggie Bullock. <laughs> he's 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 fifth on the list. <laughs> no, obviously it's not really a hot take to be able to say Luca. Yeah, because of what he's done. What he's done. But I've actually held this opinion publicly for a very very long time, many many years, dating back to as early as before he was even drafted in the NBA. Um, so I think that not only has he touched all of the requirements on an individual basis at some point. Um, he's kind of like the the perfect player, right? Like he's the he's the full package. Um, he's got a horrible roster construction, and you know Kyrie injury prone. All that all he needs to be doing is sitting out one game, and suddenly no one on that roster is scoring above the amount of times I like open the NBA app and I like just look at the box score of a Mavs game to see how it's going, and it says like it's like the end of the first quarter, and Luca's on nineteen five and three. And the rest of the team is on like two. Josh three, Green has five points. Zero, zero. Second team high six. scorer. Yeah. Um, it's, I think the, the the roster construction usage rate, he's the number one highest all time. Yeah. Uh, his ability to shoot threes, uh, you know, his, his threes now are up there with uh, Steph, not from an efficiency perspective, but from like a output. Yeah. He's, he's chucking them uh, and he can, he can get to the line. Now he's not an elite free throw shooter. That is a, 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 it's a knock. It's a it's a little bit of a knock. Yeah. With that said, on those big nights, like his seventy three point one, he went fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Like, you get to the line what three more times? There's your twenty free throws. Yeah. Right. He uh he needs thirty five. I think he shot like what thirty three attempts. Yeah. Something like that. You know what's you you're telling me, Luca? who also dishes out double-digit assists every night, yeah. isn't capable of just taking eight extra shots. I think he's also, I know he plays like, he's he's sort of like a poor man's Jokic in the European mold where he sort of like oh, downplays the- Poor he, man's Jokic. He has, he has, Luca 100% has that ego in him where if, if he's getting close to it, you you know for a fact that he's going to be chasing records. I mean, he was sniffing it in that game. You he was, yeah. he was. But I'm talking like shamelessly, like. But his defense is so atrocious. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. It's if so you watch the games, like that game in particular, the amount of and I, I don't knock him because like his output and exertion on the offensive side is historic. And in order to reach those historic heights, you more or less have to just sacrifice defense altogether, which is what he does. But the fact that 73 points for it to be what, what was the point differential in the end? They won by five like, or four. Think about that. Yeah. That is absurd. Yeah. Like, yeah. But that's what you need. Yeah. That is the environment and the circumstances required for a 100-point game. I like the fact also just to, to round out the Luca conversation because I agree with you. I think that if it's going to happen, it's going to be him in this current generation. Yeah. I like the fact that he's a big body. He can sort of play up and down. Like he he's not afraid to go and like get his hands dirty in the paint. He often gets into like the chest of big men. He's very good at drawing fouls. Like yeah. the, the knock on Steph or a guy like Steph or Dame is 
it's so flash in the pan and they don't have that part of their sort of like offensive skill set that they can go to at the same sort this, of regularity. This is this is my like this is why Donovan, who has had a 71 point game of his own, got crossed off our list. Yeah. Because yeah, he ticks a lot of boxes, but I mean, this is a guy that averages five or six free throw attempts a game. Yeah. Yeah, you're like right. You can't, you it's know. It doesn't scale. It doesn't. All. It yeah. doesn't. You you wouldn't bank on it. Put it that way. No. So we've gone Steph, we've gone Embiid, we've gone Luca, and we yeah. agreed that Luca's the number one out of those three. I'd, I'd put him at number one. Yeah. I'd put Embiid two, and I'd put Steph three. So the other three, they got spat out. I'm going to bucket two of them together for us. Okay. So they play on the same team. Yep. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant out in Phoenix. So mm. a couple of points on this. It's a dual combination. And ironically, that is what caps them from hitting the mark. It's because of the presence of the other guy. It's a bit of like a okay. they kind of ate each other's lunch. You know what I mean? Yes. In this argument. Yeah. However, one sits or as we have seen historically, one is having like a hotter than fish grease type of night. Both of them do have a... Uh, historical tendency to defer when the time is right. Mm. Uh, they obviously both are very high usage players. Yep. They both, you know, tend to like running offenses and offense flows through the guy that's hot on any given night. Yes. However, Book, I think, has a tendency or more of a tendency for these like ridiculous outlier scoring performances. Mm -hmm. You saw it back in the day when he had that horrendous supporting cast when he had his first 70-point night. Yeah. Uh, he obviously had 62 the other night. He had 42 at the half, I think, or 43. Yeah. He has that in him. I think KD does, but KD's more of just like a... KD's more of like a, I guess, like a team basketball player in the sense that he will facilitate when needed. He's a guy that knows when to get his. I think Booker's more of just like a tunnel vision unconscious. Yeah. You know, so I... I would put Book above KD. Mm -hmm. I think, and he's and he's shown over time, right? He has two seventy point games. Sorry, he has a seventy point game. He's got a couple sixty point games, like multiple fifty plus. He's a guy who, again, when the conditions are right, uh, potentially when KD is not playing, and obviously Beal plays every third game, so th that's an environment where I think he's a guy who could definitely touch Kobe's eighty. Um, but if 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 everything came together, there's a hundred points there at a at a stretch. Or a guy I'm, like that. Yeah. I'm just not as sold on him. I just think he's another guy that, you know, strike like not really the guy that's going to draw tons of good fouls. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, even in his 70 point game, um, where I kind of feel like he was getting Kobe final game level touches in that. Uh he only made four threes. Yeah. Um sure. In the, and he shoots the ball a lot better now than he did back. He back does. Then. That's true. Like, um, and it's it's a different world. I think though that him coming into his own and probably reaching that scale, he's now limited by having KD on the floor for and sure. Potentially, Bill. It, it cannibalizes both. Um, right. KD is an interesting one because he's considered probably one like he's top three scorer of all time yeah. from like a not all time points perspective, but just top three like versatile scorer yep. like ever some put him at number one yep. he's up there with mj uh yet he's never really been known for those individual like scoring performances i think that speaks to him as a player though he yeah he for me is one of the most like un uh, like his reputation is so undeservedly tarnished by the fact that he went to the dubs he won rings with them he is historically like 
he's a team first basketball player. Every stop he's been at, that's been his MO as a, as a basketball player. And everything that he does gets painted with the stroke of him like ring chasing. It's like, it's a stars league. It, most big players ring chase. It's actually yeah. not the norm to not ring chase now, right? Like that pool is getting a lot smaller. So mm. I think KD gets like, again, it's a tangent, but KD's reputation is something that I reckon is like unfairly struck over his time in the league. I don't know. He was also a trailblazer for like movement and causing all of those problems. Yeah, I, I mean, understand that. LeBron, he would argue that it was LeBron and it kind of was. But I what, would argue it was LeBron. I think they're different. It, like Le- what LeBron did was bad in the the context of the time. Yeah. Not, I don't look back on it now and say that was so bad, but what he did was like, uh, you know, sh- he, he shook everything up. What KD did was so much worse at like comparatively. It's different to join a mid team with a guy that's already there and bring some other guy with you versus I'm going to the greatest team of all time that also beat me after I was up 3-1. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fair lens to look at it through. However, I just look at like stints in Brooklyn. He was the only guy out of the big three there that That's actually true. gave a fuck. I agree. Uh, I agree with that. He's a winner. He likes winning. Yeah. I can't begrudge a guy that wants to go to a better situation to win. It's like, yeah. you know, what are we doing? Yeah. But I get it. I understand the argument. I just I just take a slightly different stance. That's fair. That's fair. Who's your smoky? My smoky. Mm. He's a little uh He's a little man out in Atlanta, Trey Young. So that's tough. He ticks every metric. This <laughs> is the thing. Trey Young has the fourth highest usage rate in NBA history behind yes. Luca, Embiid, and Michael Jordan. Yes. Okay. He's elite in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. He's like a he's a defensive matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to guard. He's a streaky, but importantly, like a goldfish brain shooter. He will continue pulling a clip. Like he will not stop. It doesn't matter what's happened like previously. Mm. <clears throat> if he starts a game like five of five from deep, four or five from deep, he's taking 17 threes that night. Yes. 15 threes that night. The other benefit that Trey has is he's super shifty. I know the rules have changed slightly, but he still draws, you know, eight or nine free throw attempts a game. So mm-hmm. he's shooting 16 free throws a mm-hmm. night. Not a far stretch to bump that six, seven, eight into the mid-20s on any giving night. Mm. He's getting a good whistle. People start moving. It's, yep. That's fair. The case for Trey this season, and I think that he's going to have an enormous second half of the year because I think DeJounte Murray is going to get moved. Uh, I think the Hawks realized that that was not a good trade for them. They kind of sold the barn for a guy who's, uh, you know, above average point guard slash shooting guard, whatever combo guard, but doesn't really move the needle. I think the Spurs were, again won the trade Spurs are just they never miss <laughs> they never ever miss on that side uh, except for Derek White they lost yeah, the they best, lost the Derek best player in NBA history Derek White uh, but if DeJounte gets moved Trey's usage rate will go back to that level right He'll it will be him and Luca. Yeah. as the two highest in the in the sort of NBA mm-hmm. so then mash all those things together same thing that you said about his defense sucks because he's exerting all of his effort on the offensive end Yeah, he is a guy that 100%, mark my words, book market, hot take merchants, Trey Young, 100% is as likely to have an 80-point game as Luca, Embiid, or Steph in the NBA. And come back to this. Come back to this take. As likely? Yep. 
This could be an amazing clip for you. This short on YouTube is going to have 25 million views when Trey has 80 in uh, this, the back half of this season. This clip could make your career. See. <laughs> we'll see. So, we went through all those players, right? Okay. So, to summarize, the players who statistically, through history, are most likely to have an 81 plus to 100 plus point scoring outburst in any given night. Steph, Embiid, Luca, Booker, KD, and Trey Young. Yeah. So we know those players. Looking forward through the rest of the season, I want to highlight some key matchups. Okay. From a purely analytical basis to monitor through the second half of this season. Yeah. If you're a betting guy or gal, have a look at these yep. matchups. Take people to score 50 plus. 60 plus if you can get lines on that. Mm -hmm. Call the book. Try and get a try and get them to set a market for you. All right. Here's the games to be targeting. Pacers Warriors, February 8th. Suns Pistons, February 14th. Mavs Pistons. Sorry to the Pistons fans. Your team's popping up a lot right now. March 9th. There are no Pistons fans. Hornets Suns, March 15th. Mavs against the Jazz. Interestingly, second day of a back-to-back. Potential Kyrie Irving sit, March 21st. Hornets Warriors, March 29th. I like this one a lot because I think the Dubs are going to be playing hard for mm. seeding and playing spots at the back end of the year. Pistons Hawks, Trey Young, April 3rd. Mavs Hornets, April 9th. And the Smoky, the last day of the NBA season. Trey Young, 82 points on 41 shots. Will happen April 14th. Out in Indy. So, take those 10, put them in your diary, make yourself some cash. What are the parameters? So, you just selected what? Teams that are on the bottom half of the ladder and rank bottom five in defensive rating? Correct. Bottom five defensive rating coming on the like second half of back-to-backs coming off hard matchups the previous night, coming back from road trips into their home stadiums. Uh, and then I obviously, you look at the teams that we mentioned, right? Suns, Warriors, Mavs, um, and the Hawks. That's where your teams are. Embiid's been left out because the big man tore his meniscus. Uh, we hope he's healthy for the playoffs, but he's not going to probably feature for the majority of the season. So I ignored the sixes. That's fair. I put those numbers together. That's fair. But we'll put out a graphic maybe for that. I think you should go and put them in your diaries. They're going to be bumper scoring nights. There will be at least a 60-point performance in one of those games, I guarantee you. Well, we'll see. We need a DraftKings market for that. Do. Basketball Forever podcast. Alex, it was a pleasure. Deep diving. Always. It's always good to geek out on basketball stuff with you. And I'm glad this is going to be the new cadence now. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm excited to get some new fresh talent in this seat. Obviously, being in the North American market, we open ourselves up to a lot of new faces that are going to appear on that couch. Uh, so stay tuned. Obviously, let us know your feedback. Always open to uh, new suggestions and ideas, but Basketball Forever podcast, keep an eye out and we'll see you next time. Peace.